Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with Mental Health America of Wisconsin. We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of others who do as well. By sharing stories of lived experiences, we expose depression for the lying bully it is. Hello, Bridget. Hi, Terry. This is the second episode of a season focused on mental health during this pandemic. Our last episode was a discussion of information and support services available through Mental Health America. We recommend the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention as a reliable source for the medical public health aspects of COVID-19. Personally, we've chosen to use these sources as our way of staying informed without being sucked into the vortex of alarming and nonstop media coverage. Staying calm and hopeful is not only better for our mental health, but for our immune systems as well. And we need those now to be strong and to stay healthy. Absolutely. In that spirit, today's episode is a discussion with the father in a family of four that has tested positive for COVID-19. We want you to hear from the proverbial horse's mouth that when experts say the vast majority of people who get the virus will have mild symptoms they can treat from home, they mean it. Our guest today is my friend Pablo Muirhead. Pablo, how are you, Jackie and the kids? We are doing well, um, I think, as well as anyone could be in these um, kind of challenging times. Oh, especially challenging when you get it. Right, right. Um, the, the good thing is that, I mean, we feel very fortunate to have been tested when we were. I don't think that we would be tested today, given our symptoms, even with our underlying um, health issues. Pablo is 48 years old and has an autoimmune disorder. Even with that risk factor, his experience of the virus might surprise and comfort you. Yeah, so I woke up on Thursday morning at 3 a.m. March 12th with, uh, I had actually been called um, by my son, you know, to, to check on him. He wasn't he was struggling to sleep. He wasn't sick or anything. Um, he was just struggling to sleep and he wanted, you know, one of his parents to come over mm -hmm. to his room. So I did. And I realized then that I had, um, I had the chills and my body was pretty achy and I had a pretty bad headache. Um, so I wrapped myself up in an electric blanket cause I, I was struggling to get warm and, um, didn't sleep very well that night. And when I woke up in the morning, I, I was tired and remembered that I had also been developing a slight cough the days prior. Pablo says under normal conditions, the most he'd have done is take a couple of ibuprofen and go to work. Of course, a global pandemic is far from normal. I decided to take my temperature in light of what was going on, and I had a slight fever of 100.6. So I called in sick because I didn't want to 
go to work with a fever and get other people sick and called my doctor to talk to the triage nurse to see what they recommended. And they wanted me to get tested for the regular flu for influenza. Um, and I went in, you know, I think at three or four that day uh, and tested negative for the flu. His doctor then ordered a test for COVID-19. Remember, this was almost three weeks ago, and a lot has changed since. Yeah, and and then at that point, I went to the hospital emergency room. That was where they were doing the tests at that point. Uh, And then at that point, when I came home, I went into self-quarantine. Pablo lives with his wife and their two preteen children. They'd been hearing the same alarming reports and morbid tallies we all are. Yeah. So I was pretty at at first, you know, when I I had taken the test, I was I was nervous. I was um, but the fact that I had no longer had any symptoms uh, made me think that perhaps like it was it was it was nothing. and, and, And I would test negative and everybody in the family was feeling really good and we were all very upbeat. But we were at this point all practicing social distancing and. Then I got the phone call on Sunday evening, um, and it was it was it was it was a, a shocker. It definitely caught me off guard. It was it was I did not expect it in light of how I was feeling. So I, you know, as a family, there were a lot of tears. Pablo shares that he's been diagnosed with and takes meds for mild anxiety and depression. He says when there's an issue, they flare up a bit more. This did cause a lot of, like, you know, fear. I was wondering, like, what happens? Does my body just all of a sudden start shutting down? Do I, like, there's so much uncertainty. Far from that, here's what Pablo did experience physically. Remember, the night he noticed symptoms, they were chills, being pretty achy, and having a pretty bad headache. That was Thursday evening, and the next morning I registered a little bit of a fever, and I had um, some chills and a little bit of body ache. But by later Friday afternoon, I was completely symptom-free, and I have been um, now for eight, nine days, ten days. That's as bad as it got for you physically? That's as bad as it got for me. Good. Please let that sink in. There's going to be a range of how COVID-19 affects people, and it is not good for our mental or physical health to live in fear of worst-case scenarios. The fact that we know has given us a lot more clarity and recognition that this is by no means like um, a death sentence (laughs) or anything close to it. Most people will experience no symptoms or very mild symptoms um, and may never know that they had the virus. I think the important thing to know is that even if you do feel some symptoms, just to relax, there's really nothing that I know of that can be done. Um, I've been prescribed no medication or anything. I'm, you know, all of us are just quarantined at home and we're trying to Um, stay positive um, because that helps our immune system. Um, You know, when we let, let those, those, those dark thoughts get in our heads, which certainly did enter my head the first 72 hours after being, after getting the confirmation that we, that I had tested positive. That was before the rest of my family had taken the test. 
When his wife and 10- and 12-year-old kids were tested, they all came back positive for coronavirus, too. Technically, his son had a negative result, but as he was displaying the most symptoms, doctors and health authorities are considering the whole family positive. Our son right now is, is, is quarantined within our broader quarantine. My wife had had some chest pains, uh, and those went away. But yesterday, she lost her sense of smell and taste, wow. uh, which we, we learned uh, last night that that's also a symptom of COVID-19. So, okay. you know, it, you, we, no, I don't know that anyone can say with any certainty that that comes back or it doesn't come back because this is all new territory for everyone. So she and we are trying to remain positive um, because there's nothing you can do Mm -hmm. other than hope that her sense of taste and smell come back. Um, Our daughter, who tested positive in addition to my wife, um, has had little to no symptoms. Uh, She had a few sniffles and that was the worst of it. Um, but all in all, we're all pretty healthy, but because of our compromised, my compromised immune system and my son's, uh, mild asthma, uh, and my wife's, um, frequent bouts with pneumonia, we are, um, when we are together in the same room, we're wearing our masks. Wearing masks and practicing social distancing in their home. Literally, my wife and I sat six feet apart on our computers. I was helping her with some issues, getting her classes uh, transitioned from Mm -hmm. face-to-face to to online. And we were basically screen sharing, you know, from six, eight feet away uh, to avoid sitting next to each other. Pablo says the hardest part for him were those very first days after he'd been diagnosed. But before health officials gave him the green light to go public with that, Both Pablo and his wife are college Spanish teachers, and I can say, after knowing them for decades, that they're the type of people who, if you know and run into them, you're probably going to stop and talk to them. Huggers are likely to hug them. In other words, their sphere of exposure was pretty big. I come in contact with a lot of people due to my profession Mm -hmm. um, and also just due to my level of activity in the community. I'm a on our local school board. I, you know, attend a lot of fundraisers and and political events and non-political events and sporting game, you know, matches. And so, you know, when I put that calendar together, I thought, oh my gosh. And, and, uh, and then all of a sudden my anxiety was, was picking up because I, there was, there was guilt that I hadn't done something public, but I had been told not to, there was anxiety about who knows, um, is this getting leaked? What's going to happen? Uh, there was, you know, anxiety and fear around like repercussions. And then it was finally day three that I got permission to, or I got their blessing to, to go public with it. Pablo immediately posted a video on social media announcing his diagnosis. He describes being able to go public with it as the most liberating thing. And it was also, I think, the most, also the most responsible and, and helpful thing. Mm-hmm. So even though I thought I'd put together a pretty comprehensive list, all of a sudden people started writing me saying, hey, when did we bump into each other on the street or at the, at the supermarket? And I was able to, hmm. together with them, figure it out and either 
you know, let them know that they did come in contact with someone during those 14 days or that that had been prior. Knowledge these days is a bit of a double-edged sword. We need to be informed. And a lot of what we hear and learn can add to our dis-ease. And I think anxiety around, do I have COVID-19? I think this is something I'm hearing a lot from people that have been calling me. I've gotten phone calls out of the blue from people um, that are, you know, concerned. They think they, you know, they have uh, body aches. Um, They have a, you know, slight, slight fever maybe, and they think they're going to collapse and die. Um, That's not what's happening. Um, But, you know, people with worries and concerns can build something small into something pretty big. So I've been not not as a therapist, but just as like a, a friendly ear, you know, trying to hear people, listen to people, and then share that, you know, this is by no means a death sentence. And, and the vast majority of people are not even going to know they have it. And if they do have it, at best, they're going to experience some mild symptoms. So not to not to make it bigger than it is, because I don't think that's good for our immune system, which we really do need to protect. Or mental health. Our mental health. Yeah. I mean, the mental health and immune system, I think they go hand in hand. Okay. I think we've got this. Unless there's something specific you would like to leave listeners with, uh, knowing that most or all have depression, anxiety, or both. Yeah. I mean, I would, uh, first of all, thank you for inviting me to come into this space. I appreciate your work and I appreciate a place where I can also kind of, you know, share that, that, um, my, my experiences, um, and further destigmatize kind of mental health, uh, challenges that, that, uh, Many of us, many of the listeners, including myself, um, deal with, and and you, I think talking to others uh, really helps. And I hope that for um, folks that are listening, just hearing from, you know, someone uh, that has tested positive and the entire family has tested positive, um, we're, we're doing well. We're, of course you know, quarantined at home and we're struggling with a lot of the same things you might be struggling with is, uh, getting our kids off technology, making sure they're not watching too much TV and and having fights about that. Um, (laughs) but that just reminds us that this is, this is, this is something we're going to get through together as a broader community. Um, and I think this has brought out a lot more, you know, folks that maybe aren't diagnosed with anxiety, uh, I, I think this is more prevalent now because there's just so much uncertainty about this. But like I said, the vast majority of folks won't even feel any symptoms, will be asymptomatic. Um, and if they do, it's going to be very mild. Excellent. You're a wonderful human. I've thought that for many years, and I appreciate oh, you taking the time to do this. Beth, those are kind words from you, whom I respect so much. So thank you so much, Terry. Thank you. And uh, all the best to you and your listeners. Keep up this important work because we need to treat ourselves gently and kindly. And, um, and, and this will pass. This will pass. We'll get through it together. Pablo, I feel better. Thank you. I love knowing that, uh, you know, that 80% who aren't going to be 
feeling the extreme end of this aren't going to feel that bad. And I appreciate hearing a firsthand account. Thank you. And that we have to treat ourselves gently and kindly, which is good advice anytime, but certainly in a, for, I mean, to downplay it a bit, uh, extremely stressful time. You know, change alone can be stressful and change with risk and threats, you know, bombarding us um, is certainly more so. Absolutely. And I also think that there's something, you know, I don't want to say silver lining or something like that, but this is also these changes are opening up our schedule and our free time. So it might be an opportunity for all of us, um, you know, to look at that long list of things that we've never had time to do. And, you know, if that's organize your basement or your attic or pull out the art supplies in your house that are drying up and haven't been used in a long time, um, like I'm going to try to carve out a little corner of my attic today to do some stretching and be able to get away from everybody and just call that little six foot by six foot square mine if I can excavate it. We just want to mention that we will be posting a written update on Pablo and his family with this episode because we recorded that interview a week ago uh, and lots has probably changed. Uh, we will also link to his YouTube videos so you can see him and his family and be updated there as well. So we are most grateful, as Bridget said, for that first-person account. And next week, we will have a wonderful conversation with Dr. Anita Sands, who is one of the most practical, kind-hearted, wish-she-was-our-therapist therapist. <laughs> and she will be talking to us about how to handle and manage the inevitable stresses of this pandemic. Excellent. So we'd like to invite you to join us. And join us on social media, the Facebook community page. We're on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, Pinterest. Um, just Google giving voice to depression and click on some link that comes up and say hello to us. It's nice to um, hear that there are people actually out there hearing this. And if you have any ideas for other uh, perspectives or people you'd like us to interview during this pandemic-specific season, please let us know that too. And take care of yourselves. I also think that some of us with anxiety and depression are pretty good at isolating, even though it's not supposed to be, you know, the healthiest tact. Um, and so I think it's a good opportunity to reach out to the people in our, our lives who aren't used to being alone and aren't used to isolating and just see how they're doing. It doesn't have to be a long conversation um, with any particular agenda, but not only do I believe that we have to take care of ourselves, this is a time to reach out. And um, although we're all isolating and social distancing to stay connected and reach out to the people who need our help. And just to keep going here, uh, we can assume people might have a little more time than usual. I was on a really good webinar, I think it was called the other day, where the person made the distinction that thinking of social isolation is not the way we should be thinking of this. It's physical distancing, but social connection. So keep the distance physically, increase the connection socially. And that can be done online and all the different ways you know how to do that. So nice. take care of yourselves, be well, stay inside, wash your hands, all those things, you know that. And we care. We do. Goodbye, Bridgie. Love you. Bye. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. 
it is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.